this market trend starting this year, and you can now purchase fractional ownership, you know, profitable online businesses in all kinds of different monetization types. You're listening to Ice Cream with Investors, a podcast that is dedicated to teaching you how to better invest your money so that you can live a more intentional life. I'm your host, Matt Four, and it is my goal to teach and empower you to remove the roadblocks to your financial success. All right. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today we have on Kyle Kudarowski. I'm super excited to have Kyle on the phone because I first met Kyle 13 years ago on good old Rocky Top in Knoxville, Tennessee. We've become close friends ever since then. But I've asked Kyle to come on the show today because not only does he have a super interesting backstory from engineering the corporate world to living abroad, but he's also ahead of some major trends out there in terms of investing in Airbnbs and now taking on a role in the new digital real estate space. So Kyle has a wide range of experiences that we're going to go into. And sadly, we can only scratch the surface. So I'll just shut up now and say, Kyle, welcome to the show. Hey, Matt, thanks for having me. Super excited to get on. Uh, You know, like you said, anytime we get together, we kind of tend to nerd out on this stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to catch up. Absolutely. Well, we like to start everybody with the difficult questions here. What's your favorite ice cream? Man, that is a tough one. So, you know, this is a little bit of a cop out. Anything chocolate I'm going to love, especially chocolate with peanut butter. But if I had to pick a specific one, does a blizzard count a Dairy Queen blizzard? They have a chocolate brownie extreme blizzard that I just, I love. Heck yes. I'm so glad you said Dairy Queen because like 42 episodes in, I think we are now and no one has mentioned a Dairy Queen blizzard, but that I feel like is the OG ice cream sundae. So I love it. Honestly, it's been too long. I I need to go get one. Yeah. Warren Buffett, uh, who owns Dairy Queen actually, is noticing that you haven't been there in a while. (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell our listeners, what's the scoop? What do you do today? Today, I work for a company called Empire Flippers, Empire Flippers Capital B, to be specific. It's an online brokerage, like you said, in the, in the digital kind of real estate space. Um, we help people buy and sell websites. And then in Empire Flippers Capital, we're a new, a new sister company within EF um, that has brought online businesses to the passive investment world. Started uh, within the last year with this company. So yeah, that's what I'm up to. I also run a uh, vacation rental business on the side, um, something that I've been doing for wow, much longer than it feels now. I think I'm in my fourth year or so doing that. Yeah, I love it. I remember when you first got into the vacation rental space, I was a little bit skeptical only because I live in Nashville and I've seen the laws change year after year after year, and you can never really get a stable footprinting but you live in a vacation tourist town and saw the market opportunity to kind of invest there. First of all, like, how did you start getting involved in Airbnb? What did you see that made you want to get involved? Yeah, great question. So I do live in a a tourist area. I didn't really know that coming out of college. You know, like you said, we were on on Rocky Top in Tennessee and uh, came down near the Georgia-Florida border here. And, uh, you know, I was in a, a corporate engineering role. And once I'd saved up enough money for a down payment on a house, uh, finally pulled the trigger on one. Uh, this particular house has a small mother-in-law suite above the garage. It's detached. And so, you know, down payment was a little bit of a stretch and decided to throw that mother-in-law suite on Airbnb. To be honest, halfway, halfway effort. I mean, I, I think I'd had an air mattress or a very cheap bed to start up there. <laughs> I, I this was 2014 or 15. So Airbnb wasn't brand new, but it wasn't what it is today. And from the first weekend on, I mean, we were just filling up night after night, you know, $100, $110 a night, nothing crazy, but it really helped us to recoup our down payment. But mostly light bulbs were just going off. So 
if this little mother-in-law suite is going to bring in this kind of income, then what about something over near the beach, you know? So I just followed that market trend and uh, I'm a big believer in doing that in general. I love that you said you had a little air mattress because that's the theme of Airbnb is that they would throw in air mattresses in their spare room and have people come uh, sleep on them. So you were just following the path that had been laid there. One of the one of the things that kind of deters me away from this space is the passivity versus act activity of it. And I remember having that conversation with you on the front end, like, Hey, I just don't have enough time to really go manage an Airbnb. And you really opened my eyes to how you can really automate this and almost turn it into a passive investment. Um, what do you do with your Airbnb today? Not the one that's a mother-in-law suite, but the one that's over on the beach. What do you do today to kind of make that a hands-off passive investment? Yeah. Yeah. Great point. And I, I don't want to speak in too broad of strokes. I think this is something people should think about when they're evaluating properties. The, the particular property that I bought um, is, is much older. It's a center block, uh, which I saw as a positive. It, 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 we completely redid it, it and you know it looks much more modern now, but we knew the bones were solid. We knew there wasn't going to be an, an overwhelming amount of maintenance um, or things that needed to be done. So that was number one is, is really take that into consideration when you're shopping. Uh, second was really just get educated on how to do all of these things. So there's, there's several books out there. There's one called Optimize My B&B that I read at the start and I've reread since. And um, it, it really dives into every aspect of it. So I'll quickly hit on several of the things that I do that make it so passive. And then, um, then we can dive in deeper on some of those if you want. So uh, first of all, you need a good um, vacation rental, rental management software. Airbnb is getting better, but they're, they're just not there as far as I have one uh, that does automated messaging, does automated reviews. It does instant responses. If somebody asks these normal, these uh, kind of repeat questions, you can, uh, you can put in trigger so it'll respond instantly, which A, you know, makes it that much more passive for you, but B, gives the guests that much better of a response, uh, of, a, of an experience, excuse me. Um, a pricing tool. So same thing there. Airbnb has got some pricing tools. They're just not very good yet. Um, there's several third-party ones that adjust for demand that do minimum nights. You know, the farther out the dates are, you can set longer stays. As they get closer, you can shorten them. You can do orphan nights, all that stuff. So you're really maximizing uh, your revenue. Um, I use an electronic and a physical guidebook. I want to reduce the questions. That's going to sound bad, but you, you know, I, I, you get tired of the same questions. And so um, you know, where do I take the trash or where's this, you know, is there enough parking or blah, blah, blah. We want to have all of those readily available in their face. Um, automatic lock programming. So from a security standpoint, the locks uh, go to the last four digits of the, uh, the person's phone number. The day they're checking in, they delete the day they're checking out. Your cleaning lady has her own uh, lock code. Their bug guy has his own lock code. And so you can, you can monitor without paying much attention. Shows up on your Apple watch. Who's, who's opening the door? Um, and then just personal touches, you know, we can, we can get into that, but these people are paying good money to come, come vacation. And I take a pride in, uh, providing an excellent experience for them. And so that a lot of those touches, um, are, uh, coming into the passivity side as well. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the answer book and the, uh, guest book or the common questions being able to answer those. I recently stayed in an Airbnb that, it, it like right once you walked in, one of their big sheets that you could not miss was like, if you have a question, ask Alexa. And here are the sample questions that they'll answer. Like, 
where to take out the trash, best rec- restaurant recommendation, where is this, where is that? And I thought that was genius because not only do they get a chance to have somebody else or a, a bot basically interface with the guest, that's a good touch, personal touch, but also they were telling me that if a client or a stay or a, a guest stays and asks a question that they don't have an answer to, they now log the question and they can go back and answer it and program it into the Alexa. So I thought that was just like a phenomenal like hack that I had never even thought about. When you talked about like personal touches, I think Airbnb is one of those things that's starting to become the weirder, the better, or the more personalized, the better. What are some of the things that you all do to kind of give a guest a, a more personal experience there? Yeah, I think I think your point there is accurate for sure. And, and uh, what you were just talking about, you know, on the virtual concierge, I think is what they call some. I haven't taken uh, a lot of advantage of that yet. I've learned a little bit. I probably need to do more. Uh, so that'd be one example of a, I mean, that stuck out in your mind, right? That was a, a personal touch. Um, a few of the things we do, you know, particular to our area, there's a lot of walking and biking and running paths. So we provide bikes for the guests and we advertise that. And um, a lot of guests tell us when I checked in, I, I didn't move my car again until I left. And I think that's huge. It's something I would love. We do a handwritten guest book, um, small thing that, uh, that I think guests enjoy. We provide snacks, we provide water, we provide coffee. Um, on some of these stays where we, you know, it's over a week during busy season and they're spending, you know, uh, double, triple the price sometimes, you know, we'll go provide a bottle of wine uh, or provide a water, bottle of wine or something mid-stay. So things like that just go a long, long way. Yeah, I, I, that's super interesting. Same Airbnb, just to, you triggered my mind with the snacks, had localized snacks. I was in Asheville and they had localized snacks to the Asheville market and like a plate, that, like a, uh, a map on where to go to get those if you wanted more of them. So I thought that was super interesting. I don't want to like dig too deep, but are you comfortable kind of sharing numbers? Like what are you seeing from a month in month out basis? Again, you're in a tourist destination on the beach. You have cold months, you have hot months, but mostly throughout the year, it's not too seasonal. Um, so would you share some of the numbers that you're seeing on a month in and month out basis? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't mind at all, actually. So like I said, it's an older house. Now, it, I guess I should have hit on this earlier, too. It is a duplex. So it's a two one on each side. Um, they're, they're, I don't know, only eight, nine hundred square feet or so per side. So not enormous. But um, that's another thing when you're evaluating properties. I mean, if you can get more than one on the same on the same piece of land, you know, your, your revenues are going to go up. So um, it, it is a good bit seasonal, um, but I can share maybe a little broader. So last year kind of got scary with COVID. And even, even in that year, once it bounced back, um, we were able to bring in over a hundred thousand in revenue. Um, this year we've blown that out of the water already. And this is on a purchase that was um, a little bit over 500,000 or so. Um, so without digging too deep, yeah, you, know, you can you can do some some quick those, math there. Without digging too deep, those are some astronomically phenomenal numbers. And I know you're probably getting tired of me saying this, but every time we talk, I'm like, you know what? I was wrong. You were right. I was wrong. I should have gotten in on it with you. We should go buy more. I'm interested. Um, yeah, you know, something I do. I mean, the numbers are great, and you know, you, you can get into the tax benefits of, of all the real estate and and all those details as well. But something I do want to reiterate is. I think there's a myth out there that the vacation side is just cannot be that passive. And um, I just got back from living in Colombia for three months. I've spent time in Australia, all over the world. Um, and yeah, you have to do some extra prep before you before you head out for that that period of time. But I've been able to do all of that 
relatively easily. Um, and, you know, you put somebody else in, in charge for emergencies, uh, make sure your cleaning staff is ready to go. And then, you know, as long as you kind of have the internet to check in here and there, you can, you can absolutely do it. So I want to encourage people uh, make sure that part of it's clear. Yeah. I think to your earlier point about being educated in the space, like I didn't know there was software out there that could respond to messages. And you were telling me one time that when somebody books, your cleaning person gets a note and then 24 hours before they check out, they get a note again that says, reminder, you're cleaning tomorrow at this property at this time and things like that. I mean, if you really have the right systems and tools in place, it can be very, very passive, very, very passive. And not only is that important from a cleaning staff and a, and a um, you know, for the customer experience, but this is all, it all comes back to, it's like Google or Amazon or anything else. It all comes back to the algorithm. So you need to be on the front page of Airbnb when somebody searches your area. Well, one of the things they take very much into account is your response times. And if you're getting responses at two in the morning when you're asleep or questions or uh, booking inquiries when you're asleep and you're not responding until 8 a.m., that's, that's going to kill your response time. Well, if I've got an automated message that says, thank you for your inquiry, this is an automated message, but I read every one, I will get back to you. And it sends in, you know, I don't know, 0.5 seconds or three, four seconds. That's, that's really going to help your ranking. So um, it all kind of ties together. I did not know that. That's a nice little uh, hacking tip right there. Um, so I want to switch gears now and talk about this idea of digital real estate. So I think that there's no, um, I'm not going out on a limb here when I say that the world is moving online, right? And there are different ways to participate in this digital world that are very, very similar to real estate in the sense that you're buying the land, whether that's a domain address, uh, the front page of Google, all these different ways you can actually go acquire the space in this digital world. And you work for a company now, Empire Flippers, that's kind of a master in this world and a pioneer in this world. So maybe start us off with like, what is Empire Flippers? Give us some understanding of, of the business as a whole. Absolutely. Yeah. So Empire Flippers, um, like you said, it's pretty well established in the uh, online business space at this point. Um, been around for about 10 years. We're a fully distributed team. Um, up to almost 90 employees, I believe, last time I looked. Um, but, but we're the largest marketplace for online businesses that, that's out there. Now, there's many brokerages, um, many of them that, that do a great job, but, but we do a white glove service from the vetting process to the sales process to the migration all the way through. Um, we've sold over 1,500 businesses over the years, over 300 million in volume. And at any given time, we have over 200,000 active buyers and sellers on our, on our site. So say our, our kind of footprint's pretty big is, is, uh, is definitely accurate. Yeah. And it's a genius business model because I think most people are probably familiar. If you own a physical gas station or retail shop and you want to sell it, there are business brokers out there. There are people that specialize in selling businesses, uh, physical businesses. You all just do that in the digital space. And this is a space I'm super interested in because the valuations are just different. And why they're different is because it's, it's not understood yet. Banks don't really have checkboxes that you can check for them to give you a loan on a digital piece of real estate or an online business. And that's something that you all said, hey, we're going to go specialize that in that. So maybe break us down into when we say digital real estate or websites or digital businesses, what are the kind of like categories of a digital business? Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great question. So um, there are several different, what we refer to as monetizations. You may hear them called other things, but um, the, so the, the kind of the, 
the king of the castle right now is uh, Amazon FBA, which is fulfilled by Amazon. This means that, you know, when you go to Amazon and you purchase something, it's either coming directly from, um, from a factory somewhere or more than likely it's now coming from an Amazon warehouse. Most people, most people know that at this point. Um, but if, if you own an FBA business, you are sourcing, sourcing a product, um, whatever that product may be, to Amazon directly, and they handle everything from there. So they're great from a passivity standpoint, um, and then they're great from the traffic that Amazon's bringing in. So that's that's what we've seen grow the most on our marketplace recently. There's still DTC, direct-to-consumer e-commerce, which is a similar concept, but maybe somebody's shipping from their own warehouse or from their garage or their basement, and they're sourcing products from, from wherever um, Sometimes there's a combination of both. Sometimes this person's selling on Amazon and their own website, um, but they're fulfilling it themselves. So they've got to package it. They've got to ship it. They've got to do all of that. So there's advantages and disadvantages of both. Uh, kind of getting out of that space a little bit, uh, but one more Amazon is uh, KDP, which is Kindle Direct Publishing. So that's a space I don't think a lot of people realize is as is, is large as it is, but this has made publish. Uh, it's kind of changed the... Um, publishing world. And, and I'm definitely not a, an expert in that space, but um, allowing people to publish their books directly and sell them on Amazon is just one less friction point. Um, the next one that is, is huge is what I call content or affiliate marketing, kind of go hand in hand. So some of these blogs and review sites and things that you might see, um, you know, best pillows, the best razors, or, uh, you know, here's the products you need when you're expecting a newborn. You read through these blogs or these content sites. And um, when you click on those products, it probably sends you again to Amazon, but maybe somewhere else, you know. Um, and then for clicking that link, the person that wrote that blog or that content piece gets, uh, you know, gets paid. Um, so that's a that's a good one. Um, we, we still see a lot of growth in that area. Uh, display ads, display advertising, you see these all over the internet. Sometimes those are done in combination with content sites. Sometimes they're on their own. Um, and then the last one, which is that ties directly back into the vacation rental business and, and pretty much every other industry in the world at this point is SaaS. So software as a service. So any of these electronic guidebooks or vacation rental management softwares or apps on your phone or that you're paying uh, a monthly fee for, um, or that's just going to be recurring revenue. So the SaaS space is continuing to grow. A lot of them come out of Silicon Valley and that Valley and their softwares that people are developing that are all based on getting a, a subscriber base and having recurring revenue. Does that kind of answer your question? I want to dig into the Amazon FBA and give everybody just an example so they um, can wrap their mind around it. So here in Nashville, I live five miles away from a big Amazon distribution center. Uh, actually on Sunday, and we're recording this on Tuesday, I decided to go on this smart home kick where I was going to learn how to plug up all my lights to all this fancy app and all this kind of stuff. And even though I work in technology, it's, I'm not super technical. So it was kind of new to me. So I go on there, I pull up the lights, I order them and it ships to my house within like four hours. It's just crazy. Well, historically, I would have to go down to an Ace Hardware store and buy those lights and then come back, which adds friction to the system. The lights I bought were Philips. So Philips actually ships the lights to Amazon and then FBA fulfilled by Amazon. Amazon then ships them out because Philips knows that most people are going to Amazon to search for their gear. So if you have a product idea out there today, you can actually just ship your inventory to Amazon and they'll take care of everything else and just give you a cut of the commission. Um, 
what a, so it's kind of changing the world a little bit and how we think about business because why I call it digital real estate is now owning the front page of Amazon is a piece of real estate. And you can actually buy the company that owns the front page of Amazon with their widget, whatever it is, through an online broker like uh, Empire Flippers. So if I think that fidget spinners are going to be the next trend in real estate, we look for the path of progress. This is another way you can go buy a path of progress. Um, I, I kind of want to switch now and talk a little bit about valuations because, and you can probably hear how excited I am about this space because I think it's still under tap space and the valuations are crazy right now. What are you all seeing from a valuation standpoint? I don't know if it breaks down per category or if there's just an overall gauge that we can get into, but what are you all seeing from a valuation standpoint? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And, and your previous remarks there, I mean, you just hit the, the, hit the nail on the head with all of the Amazon stuff. And to think, you know, this isn't some mom and pops store. This is Phillips, you know, a company of that size that, that's, that's using them and using them to fulfill it. Um, yeah, it's just a great point. So uh, on valuations, you know, honestly, it does vary a little bit by, uh, by monetization type. Um, FBA continues to be the one that is growing the most, but Year over year, we've we've just con continued to see them increase um, without fail. Uh, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but you can find them out there. So we do a state of the industry report every year. I think it was over 120 pages this year that went in depth by monetization type and showed where the where the multiple started and where they ended throughout the year. But generally speaking, a lot of businesses do multiples in annual. We do monthly. That's for various reasons. Uh, depends on the pricing period and et cetera. But we're seeing anywhere from 30, uh, 37 to 45x monthly multiples of net profit, uh, which is, you know, it wasn't that long ago we were in the 20s. Uh, I remember when you and I first started looking in this space, actually, I think they were down around 21, 22x. So that's double and that wasn't that long ago. Yeah. And just to put that in perspective, I work for a very, very large Fortune 50 company and we made one of the largest acquisitions of all time. And when we did that, we did a 35 to 37 yearly multiple and you are getting a 35 uh, X multiple monthly. So basically, uh, just to kind of break that down is if you didn't reinvest a single dollar, if nothing in your business went haywire and things just went on the way they're make they're going, you could essentially recoup your money within 30, 36 months, which is just that's, unheard of. That's exactly right. Now, you know, there's there's skills that you need to develop for sure. When you talk about the FBA side of things, you know, Amazon doesn't give their uh, their warehouse space away for free. And if you run out of product, they're definitely going to penalize you. And if you're doing anything you shouldn't be doing with reviews and soliciting and that kind of thing. Um, but for all intents and purposes, yes, you can absolutely get those kind of returns. This space really excites me and you can probably hear it in my voice. But I know that I've got a lot of things going on right now. I've got, uh, I'm into Ironman training. I've got work going on. I do the podcast because it's something I'm super passionate about and things like that. So I don't really have time to get into this space. And I've always been super interested in this space. And we've talked about it a lot. You, you all have recently launched a fund for people to get involved in this space if they wanted to. I don't want to get into to it deep, too deep, but could you just explain like, what's the goal of the fund? Who is this for? Talk us through a little bit about that. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, that's exactly what we've done. So it's called Empire Flippers Capital, and we we wanted to bring a passive investment opportunity to what can be a very active you know business. If you're purchasing this business, these businesses, um, 
yes, they can be they can be passive, but you better put a team in place and you better have your systems in place. Um, and depending on the scale, you know that can be uh, that that can be pretty difficult. So we've we've brought a passive investment opportunity for accredited investors to provide. We heard for years and years throughout the marketplace. Well, you know, I don't I want I want exposure to this space, but I don't have the time or I don't have the money to buy a five million dollar business. You know, can, can I give you a hundred thousand dollars and you guys just run the site for us? And it's like, well, no, that's not that's not really what we do. But you hear it enough, and again, you start to follow the market trend. So we've followed this um, this market trend starting this year, and you can now purchase fractional ownership of you know profitable online businesses uh, in all kinds of different monetization types. So all the types that I just went through, we offer. Um, now we do these in rounds, so at any given time, a round may not be open, depending on when you're listening to this. But at this point, we are on our second round. We've got seven operators across four different monetizations. Um, and so for a $20,000 minimum investment, you can, you can get exposure to this space. Yeah. And I, I smiled very big when you said you've got to be active if you want to be in this space, because I actually have purchased an online business in the past. It still spits off great cash flow, but the opportunity to grow it is so massive and I lack so little time out there to go execute on that. So if you're listening to the show and you're interested in learning more about how we could partner together on that, I'm all ears on having somebody help me grow that business. But to your point, this is a great way to get exposed to the online digital space. We all know that e-commerce is moving more and more online each day. We all know our content, the way we deliver and consume content is moving online more and more each day. And we know that more SaaS-based tools are in our environment and in our life every day. So it's a great way to get exposure. Um, we'll leave show notes or links in the show notes for how people can learn more and get connected. But I want to shift this now into our last uh, round here. We're calling this the five toppings. Our first question is, what is your favorite book or what's a book you've read recently that's given you a paradigm shift? Yeah, great question. So I've listened to enough of your podcasts and, and some others to, to kind of guess this one was coming. Um, you know, I, I love to read. I, I don't get to do it as much as, as I used to or as much as most of us would like to. Um, but I wanted to give one that was a little different that I don't think as many people have heard of. So this one's called Change Your Questions, Change Your Life. Um, and it's on the third revision, but it's, it's all about more effective communication, greater collaboration, and how to find effective solutions in any situation. And People often don't realize the tone or the way they ask undermining questions. You know, they, it's just the first thing that pops in your mind or pops out of your mouth. And you can ask the same questions so many different ways and refra reframe them and achieve amazing, amazing results. And this book is not that long. You can knock this book out in a week, a weekend. And yeah, that's, that's one of my favorites. Yeah, if you don't like the answer, ask different questions. So uh, a good good way to look at it. I'm I'm actually I have to check that out because I am very interested in the psychology of how people receive messages, and uh, that sounds like right up my alley. Our next one is: I believe the person that you become ten years from now is directly correlated to the things you do every single day. What's something that you do every single day? Yeah, that's a that's a good question too, Matt. And something actually I've been thinking about a lot here recently as I've you know kind of changed roles and I'm I'm completely remote now and 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 whatnot. So you know that that I definitely value exercise. So that's uh, kind of an easy answer, but that's something that I take serious in some shape or form every day. Sometimes it might be you know really intense, or sometimes it might just be a ten minute YouTube yoga or stretch video. Um, the other thing is. I try to be very deliberate about getting up in the morning and just making an excellent breakfast, having some me time, just by excellent. I don't mean complicated. I mean, some scrambled eggs, 
maybe a whole wheat English muffin and avocado, something to get the day started off right. And um, I've done that for several years now, uh, you know, even when I'm traveling. Um, and that's something that I, I take uh, uh, pretty seriously. Yeah, we had someone on recently that said, if you want to win the year, win the quarter. If you want to win the quarter, win the month. If you want to win the month, win the day. If you want to win the day, win the morning. So that me time in the morning and that slow start and making sure that you get some of that recoup time is, is so valuable. Couldn't agree more there. Our third one is, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Yeah, this one, um, this one actually comes from my pastor. Um, I, I'll make it very uh, brief. Um, but he's, he said it in many different ways over the years is be extremely intentional. It doesn't matter what it's about. Just be extremely intentional. Don't let things happen to you. Um, you know, you, you need to happen to them. So I can expand on that a little bit, just extremely clear goals and then persevering through things. And that doesn't mean that you continue to do everything you've always done. It's okay to stop doing certain things or quit at the right things, but make that uh, conscious decision. Don't, don't quit because you fizzled out or, you didn't realize that you were stopping something. Um, so yeah, be intentional. I'm smiling. Cause I had a mentor one time say that like, and he was a boss of a boss, right? So a guy I wanted to impress. And he said, I don't care the result of what happened from what you did, as long as it was intentional. And if you're intentional with what you do, I will always support you. But when you start going willy nilly and reacting to things and bad things happen, I'll be upset. And I thought that was it's actually a pretty good piece of advice there. Our fourth one is what's the thing that you're most proud of in your life? I like to think that I've been pretty well-rounded, proud of a lot of the different things I've accomplished. I told, I, you know, we mentioned Airbnb and now the online business world. And I, I did go to school uh, in undergrad for engineering. And so I like all of that. Um, I'm, I'm proud of those things. Um, but I think the thing I'm most proud of is I like to think that I've been a, a great friend to a lot of different people. I'm again, intentional at networking and connecting people and getting people together for trips and events and uh, just, just networking in general and, and not for my own benefit. Yes, it's brought benefit, um, but that's not the intent. I enjoy seeing people like-minded people connect and I try to be intentional about that. And I think to this point, I've been pretty successful at it. Yeah, you're, you're one of the best I've met at it for sure. Our last one is if you could sit down and eat a bowl of ice cream with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, that's a tough one. In my mind, the ultimate competitor, one of the ultimate competitors uh, is, is definitely Kobe Bryant, given that he passed away not too, too long ago. That'd probably be my choice. I mean, you want to talk about it, just like I said, competitive, but extremely dedicated and persevering. And I would like to think intentional, the things we've just been hitting on. Plus, I think we could have some fun together, man. Yeah. Like RIP, one of the greatest. I remember when Kobe died, so many people that weren't even sports fans had something to say about how they remember Kobe Bryant for something. And I just thought that was very, very interesting that people I never thought were sports fans or would know who Kobe Bryant was would talk about his greatness and his competitiveness. So that's, I don't think we've had that answer before. That's, that's a good one. Kyle, always great catching up. I appreciate you being on the show. I appreciate you going through the digital real estate space as I'm super excited about this space and continuing to learn more about it. If our listeners wanted to find out more about you or EF Capital, where's the best place we could point them? Absolutely, Matt. I've enjoyed it too. I appreciate it. Um, anybody out there that has questions or just wants to connect, I do try to stay off of, of social media a little bit, but from time to time, definitely LinkedIn. Um, Kyle Kudareski, put the name in the show notes because I don't expect anybody to <laughs> know how to spell it. Um, also Facebook and Instagram. Occasionally I'll put my email on the show notes. Um, I look forward to connecting with you guys. As far as empire flippers, just empire capital. Um, 
and uh, we'll put that in the notes as well. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on. We'll have to have you back on for when round two is complete for you to give us an update on how things are going. Sounds great. Look forward to it, Matt. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Ice Cream with Investors. If you like what we serve you here, it would mean the world to me if you would like, subscribe, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app.